everyone. Welcome to Beauties and Headcanons, where we're nerdy, and you probably are too. I'm Lindsay. I'm here today with Tegan. You know the drill. And we're here to talk nerdy to you. Today, we wanted to talk a little bit about um, kind of uh, the changes in our geekdoms and fandoms that this uh, pandemic of 2020-2021 has sort of brought on. Um, and kind of like the things we don't see changing very much once we're able to open back up. Like, you know, I miss seeing everybody's uh, faces, but um, not that we're all turning into germaphobes or anything, but I guess sort of some of us actually might be. But um, there's kind of a cool phenomenon where uh, there's so much more ability now with us being able to kind of um, expand our horizons for how we interact with each other and um, there's actually been a couple of things that might seem like they it's not necessary to have a, a big convention um, in order to announce things. Uh, so we also wanted to um, talk about another big change for 2021. Uh, Tegan and I have decided that we would like to start launching on Sundays for our episodes. So instead of doing a Friday afternoon, we're going to uh, shoot for Sundays. That gives us a little bit more time to, to get our thoughts together, to give you the best show, and hopefully um, be able to uh, figure out that schedule just a little bit better. Yeah, because like... I think lately, especially, like, within the past month or so, our schedules have just, like, been shot. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like, the Friday thing was always something that was with Beauties and Headcanons from before Lindsay and I were even involved. Like, that was something Eric and Emily set up. And then, you know, even after Emily left and it was just Lindsay and I, you know. We, we just, just kept it. <laughs> yeah, because it's like, well, it's habit. And, you know, and then we, when we moved from PHM to being independent and, you know, posting on Podbean, you know, it just kind of made sense to keep Fridays just to kind of minimize the whole change for our listeners. But, you know, recently it seems like, you know, with our schedules going kind of haywire and then, you know, it, it seems like it's not like a temporary thing and it seems like it might be better to just move that date to Sunday so that it will work a little better for us. Because, you know, yeah. things just change over time. And so, you know, we have to be a little bit flexible with that. Adaptability is essentially like the name of the game at this point. Yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> first we switched to doing um, every other week yeah. and that was every other week on Friday. And now um, every other week on Sundays, it sounds like we're kind of owning this. Like this yeah. is this is <laughs> our plan. This is all our own um, Sunday uh, every other week is going to be when you get to hear from us. Yeah. Um, also, which is really cool, um, well, cool, but also not so cool, we um, announced, you know, almost a year ago now that we had uh, no longer decided to be with PHM anymore. So you were able to find us on Podbean. We updated our colors, our looks, our everything. And um, PHM, Public House Media, has decided to um, stop operating. So they gave us our RSS feedback. Yep. Um, which means that you should be able to find us all here on Podbean. So if you wanted to go back and listen to Erica or Emily or uh, Tegan and I talk with them, or even like back when Tegan wasn't being called Tegan, <laughs> we you could go listen to those. And it could be um, very nostalgic for all of us <laughs> to uh, find it all in one place now. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, and we, you know, absolutely with Public House Media, we enjoyed our time with them and wish everyone who is doing anything with them or uh, going on their own um, all the best. 
Oh, yeah. We, we right? really appreciated yeah. the opportunity to, you know, kind of stretch our wings under PHM because, you know, Lindsay and I had never done any kind of podcasting thing before. This was like our very first experience. And I, I really appreciated like the time that we got under there to kind of build a little foundation, kind of see how things worked, what might work, what might not work. So then when we did go independent, you know, we it wasn't like so much of a shock. Like we, we kind of knew what we wanted to do and how we wanted to do yep. it. And it, it, it made things a lot easier to transition from that. Right. What we wanted to keep, what we wanted to change. And yep. yeah. Um, speaking of Podbean, there was also yes. a comment on, on Podbean um, yep. from last week's episode or last, uh, our last episode. Tegan, <laughs> um, yep. so did you want to talk about that? I, I, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I got a notification. I'm like, oh, you have a comment. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like, that is the first comment, like, we've ever gotten on Podbean. Like, we, we do sometimes, like, get comments on, like, our social media pages, like, on Facebook or on Instagram. Uh, once in a while on Twitter, sometimes on Tumblr, like, if we might get some reblogs. But, you know, this is the first time, like, we actually got, like, a comment on Podbean. I was, like, super psyched. So I just wanted to shout out, Jason, thank you so much for commenting. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your feedback, and I hope that you know, you continue to listen and enjoy our content. Yeah, it was really cool to, to get a little shout out there. Yeah. Um, also, we uh, then have Gaming Corner today. Yes, yes, we have Gaming Corner. So earlier this week, well, really last week, um, and when I say last week, I mean like not this past week, but the week before, <laughs> um, uh, Obsidian and Private Division announced that the second DLC or the second and last planned DLC for The Outer Worlds, Murder on Eridanos, was going to drop that week. It was going to drop last Wednesday. Um, they, they've kind of been doing this where like they do an announcement and then they drop it soon after, which I personally really appreciate, you know, because it seems like you get, for me at least, I get like the right amount of hype because I get really excited for it, but then I also don't have to wait too, too long for it. So even though I have to wait a while for the announcement, you know, the trailer and everything that I get to see, it's like, okay, well, that's coming out in a week. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I downloaded it because um, I, I had gotten the the DLC pack for like 25 bucks. Because if you buy, if you bought like Paralon Gorgon and Murder and Eridano separately, they are like 15 bucks each. But I got it like, got them both for like 25 bucks. Five bucks saved, but you know, why not? So... I downloaded it and I played it and it was so much fun. Honestly, like even more fun than Peril on Gorgon and I had a lot of fun with that. But it was like just this whole murder mystery surrounding the whole this all this corporate espionage and you know trying to sift through all of these lies and these leads and trying to see like what lies and things are related to the case that you're trying to investigate and what isn't related. Um, it kind of almost reminded me of this scene when you go to the Winter Palace in Dragon Age Inquisition, and if you bring the Iron Bull and you ask him to read the room as a spy, he says basically, like, everybody's lying. It's just separating out the minor lies that aren't related to what we're doing to the big lies that are related to what we're doing. And that's what it kind of felt like. (laughs) Everybody's lying, but they all have their own reasons, and it might not even be related at all. So... It was really fun to go through like every single lead and check everything out, see this whole new area that you could explore. Um, and I have to say, like, I, I didn't fully complete it in one day um, because I, it was getting late and I had to stop. But I stopped like right before like the end part of it. And 
I basically was going through all the suspects, and I'm not going to say who, but I pretty much suspected who it ended up being. And just based off of, like, you know, all of the evidence that I looked at. Like, it wasn't obvious to me, but I was like, hmm, this doesn't seem to add up for this one person because we weren't really allowed to investigate this one person, and yet... I felt like with everything that I had done and all the other people I'd investigated, it seemed like everybody else was ruled out. So it, it was really fun. It was a lot of fun. I will say only one kind of complaint I had. Um, towards the end, I started getting a little bit potato action where I would start like approaching buildings or billboards and like it wasn't fully rendered. It, it was still loading in. And I haven't really had that problem with the Outer Worlds before. Um, and also, like, sometimes when I was, like, full-on running, I, all of a sudden, like, I would get, like, a buffering. Like, it just wasn't finished loading or something, which, again, I haven't really had happen before. So I'm not sure if something is a little, you know, kind of quirky, if they're going to, like, patch that or what. But I will say that was, like, my one pretty minor thing. Honestly, it didn't really affect the gameplay much at all. It was very... Um, it happened only a few times and it wasn't like super disruptive or anything like that. But that was like my one thing. But, you know, I want to be honest, like that was something that happened, you know. But yeah, it was awesome. It pretty much like I absolutely loved this game already. And I already really wanted like a sequel or like a part two or something else in this universe. And pretty much all the DLCs I've done is just kind of make me want it more. Like I already did, but now I really, really want it. <laughs> Cool. Okay, so talking about how 2020 and 2021, well, how 2020 is changing 2021, basically, oh, yeah. for geek culture. <laughs> um, so I want to address first the E3 comment that you had made uh, yeah. to me privately. Because um, <laughs> I was never into E3, but I understand mm -hmm. what it is. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's been a fairly like large and like important convention. Like, essentially, a convention that's there to announce and release types of things and games and stuff, um, I guess. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm probably going to get my geek card taken away for not really understanding a whole lot of what E3 is. But, um, you know, conventions in and of themselves are essentially germ vectors, Um you know, I've I've talked a few times as far as like Amkey and um, Confunk and how like that age group doesn't really take care of their hygiene anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and when they're when they're like dressed up in cosplays and staying at a nearby hotel, the like dirt and grime that gets on you that gets on everybody else, you're kind of like guaranteed to be some kind of sicky icky by the time you're done with the convention. And that's yeah. exactly what happened to to me and my family. Um, last year for c2e2 for 2020 so we went to c2e2 which is like you know uh, thousands of people uh flock to chicago and dress up for a um comics and pop culture convention and um uh, a few days later after we got home i was really ill and i could i you know make jokes that i thought i had um coronavirus then and it was it was the kind of sickness that really knocked me out. I was I was really struggling for a while. So 
I totally get it, but it was like before we even really knew the symptoms or that it was here in the United States and all kinds of other cool stuff. So um, at the time, I just, you know, made it through, got back up and got going, you know, like a week later. So but then it it went through the rest of my family. My daughter got sick. Um, uh, my fiance got sick. Everything was just like ridiculous. And it's so funny to me that we went such a long period of time without having um, conventions uh, you know, for the past year, everything's gotten pushed back or events have been done virtually over um, Zoom or live streaming. And the uh, rigs that have to be built for uh, different high schools and stuff to be able to live stream their shows um, are, are fairly standard. Like they're the same thing that you would do for um, if you were having a big business convention or if you needed to live stream events for um, people who are watching it all over the country. So I think it's really interesting that um, the stuff that we might have really wanted to make sure we were there for in person, um, there's now this completely other option that you don't – I'm hoping that in the future um, people won't have to, to go in and – uh, maybe even like compromise their immune systems or, you know, give their immune systems a workout by going to these kinds of conventions um, in order to just, uh, what am I trying to say here? It'll be great for people who are stuck at home to be able to watch the things that we they want to be able to watch. And also simultaneously um, to have the opportunity to go to the uh, events still would be nice too. This is ah, we all miss each other. It's it's good to be able to see the live events, um, but that kind of thing isn't the only thing that you go to a convention for. And yeah. I think that's the that's the real ruse here is like the um, the the camaraderie is what I personally go for. Seeing everybody else's costumes and cosplays decked out and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah. And, I mean, this has really kind of made cons and, you know, the things that go on at cons, like Q&As and, you know, stuff like that. It it has made it a lot more accessible for people in general, just because, you know, there are people who are immune compromised, who, you know, are homebound, who, you know, wouldn't have been able to normally go out and do this at all. But now, right. all of a sudden, they get a chance to participate in this now, because it's something that's done virtually. So, I mean, I hope that even... You know, when we do, you know, start actually like having in-person events again, I hope that there will still be virtual options because, you know, Mm -hmm. this is, I think, a really cool experience for somebody who maybe never had the chance to go out or it's very difficult for them to go out. They can still, you know, have this experience, too. Right. Or someone who's going to be ill the minute mm -hmm. that they come home from that kind of thing. um, Yeah. To not put themselves in harm's way. Yeah. Uh, for that event, even though they really want to go. Yeah, because that's one of the things that I have seen, um, not specifically related to cons, more related to, like, jobs and things like that, but mm-hmm. where, you know, they're worried that, you know, they're they're disabled and they're worried that, you know, once, you know, the pandemic is more or less, like, over or it's, you know, not anything to worry about anymore, that employers will start, will start taking away all these, you know, remote opportunities and these, uh-huh. you know, remote applications that, you know, enable people to work from home and to better work around their own, um, their own disabilities or their, you know, their own schedule. Well, not their own schedules, but you know what I mean? Like it, it enabled them to better work around their lives. 
And, right. you know, they're just worried that now, you know, even though it's been proven, yeah, we could do this, like we've kind of asked for before, it'll still be taken away and, you know, things will go back to the old way. So I, I really hope that, you know, employers, that convention holders, they'll still see this as something that's viable, that people will still want to participate in this, even if there is a face-to-face option. Right. So then let's also talk about the other big thing about conventions, too, because uh, individual artists, um, uh, vendors, people who sell their own um, products, that's kind of um, the interesting thing, because I never know what I want or what's out there for my fandom Mm -hmm. or what I could purchase until I'm at a convention and suddenly I want to buy all the things. (laughs) Um, And I think that's really lacking in the sense where if I don't, go to a, a vendor show or something, mm-hmm. then I, I don't have the opportunity to buy your stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it scares me a little bit for those individuals because I know a lot of people who have, who have struggled through the pandemic mm-hmm. um, when they're someone who, you know, their, their, likelihood, lively, their livelihood depends on being able to sell their wares. And yeah. It's hard to, you know, like advertise for yourself and uh, make products that people can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially like, you know, advertising on social media can sometimes be so hit or miss. Like algorithms will really mess you up. Um, I've seen so many artists complain about algorithms on like Instagram, especially where, you know, if they don't post X amount of times or have this type of content, then their stuff, their feed just kind of gets buried. And mm-hmm. it, it can be really, really difficult to, you know, kind of reach out and figure out like where your audience is at and how to get that to them, you know, because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that, you know, we're all aware that there's something out there that we that we would like to buy, that there's something for us that we're interested in. There's an artist um, that maybe even wants to do a commission or that makes something special that we really want. And it's just connecting and it's just finding that thing and it's finding that artist. Um, Right. So, I mean, I I don't think there's like really perfect answers for artists, especially artists who would primarily find their revenue through cons and who now pretty much have to work solely through the internet um, if they didn't mm-hmm. have as big of an internet presence before, you know, trying to cultivate that, especially later in the game, is really hard. So I, you know, I, I really feel for that, and I, you know, I don't, I don't have answers for that, unfortunately. Um, maybe right. if there's like, if there's like virtual events, and they, you know, specifically will host certain artists, and those artists can like, you know link up, you know, their shops or whatever and share, like, little bits of what, you know, is available, then, I don't know, may- maybe that would help. <laughs> that That's about all I've got. But, yeah, it's the whole, like, just transitioning, especially when you're so used to doing things a certain way is just really hard. Yeah. So, let's see, what else has changed um, in geek culture? Well, and kind of heartening back to the E3 uh, comment, when I when I kind of suggested this whole thing and what I was thinking about initially was E3 because E3 as big and as prominent as it is lately, it feels like it's been declining and it's redundant and there's not really a need for it because before, you know, obviously companies would go there and they would showcase their things and they would make announcements. And that was something that, you know, was important. 
But lately, you know, with how streaming has picked up, you, you know, even before the pandemic, how that was accessible, you know, it seemed just redundant to actually go physically go to a conference and spend that money to send employees to send equipment to buy the space and everything like that when you could just stream it yourself you know right right so with the pandemic obviously you know they had to cancel it and then the big companies ended up streaming all their stuff anyway and so it's like you know especially if we don't have e3 this year and maybe if E3 tries to come back in 2022, like, will any big companies even want to be involved with it? You know, if they see that there's a cost reduction in doing things themselves and that they still have Mm -hmm. the audience there, they still have people wanting to tune in and listen and buy their products and, you know, get hyped about, you know, something that's coming up, then I I don't know. I feel like things like E3 are just kind of going to fade away. (laughs) You know, I, I think something like that has kind of shown its weakness with something like the pandemic because it's something that really it just it's not needed anymore like right unfortunately like blockbuster where you know people don't go out and rent things as much anymore like i know when i was a kid that was like a huge huge thing to go to blockbuster mm-hmm. and rent, rent a bunch of movies and come home and watch them but it's like you know, even if you do want to rent something physical, there's Redbox. You don't have to interact with anybody. You don't have to, you know, move around a store or, you know, try to see what might be available. You know it's available. You just pay your credit card and you get the thing. And, right. you know, if you don't even want to go out, oh, well, there's Netflix, there's Hulu, there's HBO, there's Showtime, there's Disney Plus. I mean, there, there's so many different streaming services now. I think there's Peacock that's come out now. There's so many different streaming services available. It's like, well, why do we even need to leave the house and waste the gas and waste the time and money and effort right. when we can just do it from home, you know? So I think that, you know, innovations like that have just shown the weaknesses in, you know, to some of the things that we were doing just purely, I think, out of habit. You know, we get used to doing things a certain way and doing things with certain peoples and companies and all of a sudden, I think at some point we realized, well, why are we doing this? Do we really need to keep doing this? You know? I was watching, I, I, I like to watch a, a few different YouTubers and they're from like everywhere. Um, there's someone who I think is in uh, England and then there's an Irish guy and a few other, you know, just interesting people. And the um, lady who's in England, she's always talking about like streaming services uh, that has sponsored her, her, her advertisers and and people who have sponsored an episode of hers. And it, it's always so funny because every time it's a new, like every time it's a streaming service, it's a new streaming service, not something I've ever heard of, um, something that's very specific to uh, what people would want to watch. So like there's apparently a streaming service that's just for documentaries. And apparently there's also one for like true crime specifically. And I, I lost my mind. I was like, you mean... Netflix didn't have this idea all by itself. I know. That sounds amazing. <laughs> um, and of course, I'm like, oh, I don't need another streaming service. I know, right? <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, hmm, this is very interesting. I, I think I might that might be something I'd be interested in. Um, but it's, you know, like it's so interesting to me that there's so many different options when, you know, growing up – there was Netflix where Netflix would actually send you the DVDs in the mail. Yeah. That's, that's what Netflix used to be kids. Like there was no streaming. (laughs) We, we got things in the mail. That was cool. 
That, that was an innovative thing, but... Yeah, and if you if you kept the envelope perfectly and you sent it back, then you could get your next one, but it was kind of like a... a like a a game of chance as to how quickly you would get the next DVD. Yeah. Um, because I used to think that they would like scan them in the mail and once they knew it was on its way back, then they'd send you your next one. It, it felt that fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, you know, that was like the age of how long did things take and was yeah. it really that fast or was I just not expecting it to be there as quickly as it ended up being? Yeah. Was uh, it faster than like, the... like what we expected it to be? You know, to us that seems fast. Right. Looking back on it, it's like, well, maybe not. You know, it's right, just like... Now, you know, like you see those memes of uh, the different shipping companies and how mm-hmm. quickly um, you'll know or how quickly your stuff will be there. And it, and it says like... Um, one of the companies is like, wait, you have a package coming? And then the next company is like, oh, yeah, your package will arrive when it gets it when it gets there. And then the next one's like, your package arrived yesterday. We're in your kitchen right now. Um, <laughs> so that always, I always kind of liken that to, you know, um, the, the different companies that would mm-hmm. send you things like that. And yeah. how quickly it'll show up is really dependent on where you're where you're buying from. Yeah, it's like, you know, when, you know, back in the day, whenever you made the switch from dial-up to, like, DSL or cable internet. Oh, boy, Like, oh, my gosh, like, this is so fast. I mean, it's probably nowhere near the speeds you could get today, but compared to dial-up, like, it's lightning fast. Remember when your your computer had to dial into the internet, (sighs) or you had to, you had to, like, get off of the, off of the internet so that mom could make a phone call? Like, oh, boy, that was a lot of fun. Only, you know, if if I told my daughter that she needed to um, get off the Internet so that I could make a phone call, I think someone would probably, well, first, that's insane right now, but she'd probably look at me like I was crazy and there'd be a, a whole a heck of a fight that ensues after that, too. Oh, oh boy. Yeah, because, like, you know, back in, <laughs> back in, you know, when we had dial-up, you know, we would have never even thought that, things would be streaming, like, we could just go online and, like, watch something, because, like, you know, the time that it would take to, like, you know, watch a video online before, it's like, oh, it's so long, like, that wouldn't even be worth it, you know, that sounds ridiculous. And then downloading um, songs and and, uh, emulators for different games and stuff, oh, boy. It'd be like, man, that would be... That wouldn't even be worth it. Why don't I just go out to Blockbuster, or why don't I go to the convention? I can see it there. But then, like... (laughs) You know, just the difference of technology and innovation, like, mm-hmm. obviously it changes the game. Exactly. Okay, so we've talked about um, live streaming and zooming in to be able to connect with your people um, or whatever it is that you want to watch and vendors as well as... Oh, and there was the Game Awards la- uh I was about to say last month. Oh, Lord, am I still living in oh. January? <laughs> in December, <laughs> <laughs> there was the Game Awards that, you know, obviously, you know, they weren't able to have them, like, with a live audience like they did and sure. like, have all the people there to accept live. You know, everything was, like, you know, I don't think it was, like, Zoom, but it was, like, some sort of, like, you know, connecting up and everything like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, it it was very much, you know, just all virtual and broadcast and everything like that. And I'm like... You know, how convenient is this to, like, just watch it like this and just to be able to... Right. 
And I'm sure, um, like, for anybody who would have traveled to that, I'm sure it was, like, just a lot easier than, you know, having to, like, book flights and hotels and, you know, get there and get ready and, you know, oh, you just connect up your computer and dial in and whatever and there you go. Like, it's it's there. It's done. It's cool. Right. And a lot of my, like, late night host guys that I usually listen to, they've had the opportunity to, um, you know, like phone in or zoom in to talk to people that get to stay wherever they are where they're filming and things like that too which has been kind of cool um yeah I, not that i didn't think those people flew in before and had no problem with it but yeah um, you know being stuck where they are being safe where they are and then um still being able to to zoom in and talk to the host of whatever show has been really kind of interesting to see. It's also really like jarring to me when you see behind them, like it's a white wall or it's a, a room in their house, or it's like, like, you know, they cleaned everything out from behind them just to be able to, yeah, <laughs> to, to zoom in, to do the show. It's, yeah. it's always very like interesting to see what's behind them. It's a little uh, more like intimate, I think. Like yeah, being able yeah, to like, see see a little bit into you know their whole life and everything like i don't know i i think it's really neat uh, another thing i i think has been really like i don't know if this sounds weird but like kind of cool since the pandemic started is mm-hmm. like how people have been like presenting themselves like what they wear how their hair is like you know because before obviously you know oh it's very you know very like done up and you know just a certain way and just perfect, you know, and just sure, absolutely sure. sharp, you know, and I think with the pandemic, we've, you know, been a lot more forgiving, like, you know, we're used to seeing like hosts wearing like sweatshirts and things like that. Trevor Noah has been growing out his hair and it has yep. been absolutely fantastic. I, I, I love how his hair looks right now. Like I honestly can't I even just... picture it even sh- shorter now. It, it just looks so good. And right. <laughs> like, I, I just kind of expect this now. It's like, this is just cool. This is awesome. <laughs> to be fair, though, Trevor Noah, when he is clean cut and shaven and everything, he does look really, like, fresh. You know? Like, yeah, I, like very dapper. I can handle both, for sure. But, um, yeah, like, I, I really love this growing out here on him. It looks really nice. The growing out has has looked really nice on him. It's, uh, what do you think it is, like, three inches long now? Something like that? I, I have it no looks idea. It seems, it seems kind of long, but, I mean, it seems just, it's really nice. It suits him. And yeah. I, I think, like, before it would have been really difficult, potentially, to get away with that just because, like, you know. Right? Just, oh, boy. Wearing a hoodie and Oh, and my God. And, show. like, ha- having your hair, like, grown out when your hair is not, like, you know, a white person's hair texture. Like, you know, black. Right. Natural right. black hair is, you know, not seen as professional, which, you know, is just a part of that corporate, you know, kind of standards, which is, you know, all BS anyway. You know, it's it's hair. It grows out of your head. You know, I I think it's really stupid how it can be seen as non-professional just because your hair is a different texture. But, you know, otherwise, like before then, it just would have been really difficult. But now it's like, oh, he can he can do that because, you know, we see hosts as being a lot more casual now. And I kind of hope that that thing kind of persists, that we can see hosts just being more casual because it's a little bit more genuine. It's more fun to see them like that. Yeah, I I. I definitely have uh, realized that people have gotten a lot more comfortable with um, showing who they truly are. Um, And especially with like the modeling and the groups of people that I've been able to to surround myself with, there's a lot of acceptance um, for whatever your body shape is, for whatever your hair type is, for 
whether you wear makeup, whether you don't. Um, and it's really cool to see how accepting everyone really is of each other. On the flip side, there are, uh, there's a lot of um, stuff going on in the different circles where there's those that are either, you know, we've talked about it in several episodes uh, prior about the extremes of uh, society and judgments and reviews and things like that. And I, I do feel like there's definitely those who are extremely accepting and then there's those who are extremely not accepting. And um, the the rift seems to be growing wider. There, you're, you're, We're starting to, if we didn't understand last year um, how very different our neighbors are from from us um we're definitely uh shining a light on that um recently yeah and i mean i think the thing is is that the rift has these rifts and these differences and divides have always been there but when when your limited experience then gets forced onto a wider virtual experience and you get to see more Mm -hmm then it kind of comes to the surface and you actually get to see it. And it's like, well, you know, this toxicity was there before. You just didn't see it because maybe you only interacted with the fandom in a certain way. But now that you're on the site and interacting with these fans, then you get, like, a little bit more taste of what it's like. Like, I've had to, like, you know, leave groups. Um, I've pretty much practically left Facebook just because of the toxicity and the BS that I'm just... You know, I, I'm done with putting up with. You know, I've put up with it for a long time, and I, I'm I'm tired of putting up with it. I'm tired, so tired of like if I pull up my timeline on Facebook and I will immediately see a post. I don't even have to scroll, and I'll see a post that just like makes me either roll my eyes at the very least, or just will immediately move to piss me off and make me in a bad mood. And it's like, I, right. I, I don't want to spend my time like that. I want to be happy. I want to, you know, have good experiences. I don't want to, you know, spend my time debating BS with other fans when there's a lot more creative and fun things I could be doing. So, you know, now that I've pretty much, like, personally just, like, uh, I pretty much have a very, like, closely cultivated Twitter you know, because Twitter can also mm-hmm. be like a huge cesspool, but I've like very carefully sculpted my own Twitter timeline to be very, very specific. And it's worked out really great so far. And same thing with Instagram. And it's, it's just been a great experience, honestly, kind of like cultivating that. And, you know, you'll sometimes get certain people going, oh, well, if you don't like see other viewpoints, like, you know, aren't you just in an echo chamber? And it's like, well, it's not just about different viewpoints. It's about people who, you know, don't see me as a human being. It's about people who, you know, look at queer storylines and queer characters and want to discount them or minimize them or even just do away with them entirely. And it's like I, there's a difference between dating, debating opinions and debating, you know, my own existence or the existence of characters that are similar to me. So, you know, there's just a difference in that. Um, One of the Discord servers that I'm in, it's just a Dragon Age like fan fiction server. You know, we do have, you know, little debates and we have discussions about things, but never has it ever gotten toxic, never has it ever gotten to the point where I feel like I want to leave. Like it's just that right balance. You know, the admins do a really good job of, you know, if it seems like it might even go in that direction to like just shut it down and say, Hey, you know, this is not 
you know, what we want in the server. So, and I mean, that has been very, very few in, in you know, number of times that that's happened, even since I joined last year. So, you know, it's just, you know what, you can cultivate your own online experience. And I think it's just, you know, when you move on to the online space, when you haven't had as much of a presence, then, you know, you kind of get this whole general experience. And then, you know, it's just all about cultivating it from there and seeing, you know, trimming away things that don't work for you or that are just too exhausting for you to deal with and kind of just, you know, keeping the good of what you can. So that's been my whole experience being online, being as somebody who has been, you know, really just experienced fandoms online in general. Like I have, like I've never really been to cons. I've never, you know, done like things in real life, in person, face to face, what have you. You know, all of my experience has been online. So, you know, I understand, like, you know, if, if, if your experience hasn't been that way and you're coming to that, it can be, like, really overwhelming, especially when, like, some toxic po- co- bleh, toxic pockets of fandom start popping up. Um, but, yeah, like, it's, you know, if, if y'all ever need, like, tips and tricks on, like, you know, how to, like, kind of make that algorithm work for you, I'm here. You know, I, I'll help you out a l- little bit with that. But yeah, it's it's been a uh, an interesting ride um, through twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, seeing you know people kind of like out themselves as you know not quite being maybe who they presented themselves as before, or maybe changing into something that they weren't before, and it's like yeah, well, I I guess you know I'm not gonna be involved with this anymore. I'm not gonna do that anymore. You know, I'm not gonna interact with these people or this group or whatever. You know. It's kind of sad sometimes because, you know, you might have had really good experiences or a really good, you know, relationship with people or in certain groups. But at the end of the day, it's it's your mental health. And if it stresses you out and causes you a lot of frustration, then it's better to just make a you know better experience for you than to just cut that away. You know, do away with it. And even if you just right. take a break and see how you see how it goes, then you know, maybe, maybe you can get a little bit clearer picture of what might be good for you. Cause my whole Facebook break, like it came last year, I think like, uh, August or September, I just randomly decided to do it. And I came back very slightly in November, mainly for like NaNoWriMo, um, to like, you know, talk and, you know, get encouragement in my writer groups. But then like after that happened in December, I was like, okay, nope, like I'm back out. And I haven't really been back since, you know, I've posted on the beauties and face beauties and headcanons Facebook page, but nothing else. And I've been really happy with that. And I realized like, I don't even miss it like at all. (laughs) As somebody who was on Facebook and in Facebook groups constantly before, like I I literally met my husband through a Facebook group, but it's just not that way for me anymore. You know, sometimes things just change and you know, you got to let the memories lie where they are and enjoy them for what they are, but move on, you know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with that sentiment, like being able to cultivate your own experience and um, having a, like a better idea of the kinds of people you're surrounded with and being able to not be surrounded by that has been um, kind of empowering, like the most empowering bit of being a geek, being a, a in a fandom, uh, just being a human has been really cool to be in charge of uh, what what I have to consume. Because if it, if it really isn't good for me, 
I'm in charge of whether or not I consume it or not. Um, was there anything else we wanted to make sure we touched on for this episode? I, I believe that I've said everything I wanted to say. Um, I think that was about it. That At least that was all the talking points that I had, really. All right. Well, um, we love to hear from you. We want to hear from you. We want you to tell us anything that you feel has changed, um, especially with the pandemic, the changes in the past year. I, I know that I had asked on my own social media if anyone had um, things that they felt they had really noticed in the past year. And I do believe that I did that um, post-justice with everything that we said today, especially, you know, kind of seeing what people are like. And um, there, someone had mentioned being able to go back and stream uh shows that he had um you know kind of not been able to watch or not been able to give his full attention to um now that he had access to the streaming and then access to the time so i believe that there was a little bit of um free time that he had with the pandemic so that he Mm -hmm. was able to to spend more time with his children um spend more time at home with them and to kind of cultivate that relationship which was amazing i was so proud of him um, for sharing that um little tidbit because it you know we don't often see the um positives of uh, a big change like that so it sounded like he was really enjoying his children um when he was at home and i know that's a lot of uh what 2020 was about you know changing your experience so that it's um with your children and you know they're not going they're of course not going to remember um when they're that young that there was this uh you know you've seen the memes that that they're not going to remember this Mm -hmm. terrifying time they're going to remember the time that you were home and able to spend um with them whether they're your your babies your fur babies or otherwise so i I thought that was kind of cool um i know i also had a friend who had said something about how he understood he had realized how much of a chaotic good person he was which was interesting when you uh, try to figure out if you're lawful good or chaotic good or um i don't know chaotic neutral i I can't remember all the different ones um but i um appreciated all of the comments on my own social media and would love to hear what everyone else um has to say about how you know how it's changed for you um in your geek geek dumb fandom um nerd dumb for that and uh with that I'm Lindsay. And I'm Tegan. And thanks for getting nerdy with us today on Beauties and Headcanons.